Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse. With your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. Welcome everyone to another episode of Meta Talks. I'm excited today to talk to Simon Hudson of Cheese.com. I have to find out in a little bit why it's called Cheese.com. But I wanted to welcome you, Simon, to the show, MetaTalks. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm really glad that we were connected. So Simon here runs Cheese.com, which is a dedicated platform for photography-focused NFT projects, which I love your website. I love the platform. But I have to know, why Cheese? Well, it's a great question, and, and thank you for having me. It's great to be on the show. Um, so yeah, I'm Simon Hudson. I'm the founder and CEO of Cheese. Um, the name, to be honest, comes from that moment right before you take a photo. Um, pretty much 80% of the world say cheese. Um, it's not really known why that is. People, There are many reasons that people think it is from when it does that with your mouth and you kind of makes a smile on your face. Um, but what's funny when you do own a company that is called Cheese and you're in a street or you're out and about and everybody says, say cheese, you kind of think, they're talking about your product, which is, again, it's it's an interesting situation. It's um, very mem- memorable if you're in, in the photography space. Um, and we've spent a, a long time obtaining all of the IP rights, the trademarks, dot coms, social handles, so everybody can kind of know who we are and what we do. Um, as you mentioned, we're a dedicated platform for NFT photography. And our goal and our mission really is to allow anybody with a camera whether it be a phone or a digital DSLR, to turn their photos into NFTs and bring them on the blockchain. And that's what you, our mission is and what we're working towards. Amazing mission. You might be the most talked about platform on a daily basis with every yeah, well, cheese. So. Yeah, we get tagged in a lot of pictures. Um, you know, SEO is good and bad. Um, you know, cheese is used a lot. So <laughs> to break through the SEO wall, um, you've got you've to really be quite clever about that um, and that's really what we've been working on and, and why we really focused on a very solid brand and protecting that brand from the beginning um, you know it takes a long time to obtain really good domain names and, and get trademarks and things approved so we've been working very hard on that because obviously it's a name that's used a lot so we need to make sure that we protect it and that we own that but uh, yeah cheese is definitely used a lot whenever a photo is taken that's for sure yeah I love that so tell us tell us about your personal journey to how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So um, pretty much a seasoned entrepreneur. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, it's been a battle, been good and bad. Learned a lot, have the scars and the wounds. Um, but um, Cheese, to be honest, was born out of a company that we had before, uh, which was a, a digital agency based over in Dubai. Um, and then out of that, we spun a company which was really to help people manage and share photography um, with their friends and family, if you imagine like a Slack for family and friends for photography. And that really all came about in 2015, 2016, uh, when I had my first daughter, uh, Layla, her name is, she's now six. Um, and I just struggled with the daily headaches of grandparents and relatives asking for photos of my daughter. Um, and it was a very chaotic WhatsApp group, should we say. So the initial product was built to manage and solve that problem. And then during 2020, um, we saw a bit of a change in user behavior. Obviously, people are not going anywhere. Photos were kind of slowing down. 
Um, and then we just discovered and came across NFTs. And um, towards the end of 2020, we saw an opportunity that these photos were prime for blockchain technology and for NFTs and decided to pivot the business more towards becoming a dedicated platform for photography. So we had all the brand, the technology and everything in place and made that switch across to NFTs at the end of 2020. And since then, we've been working hard, building a team, um, raising funds and just really developing a really kick-ass product, should we say. Um, we, I'm not sure what your knowledge is around blockchains and how that works, but with regards to the different blockchains, you have multiple to choose from. Um, we're built on the Flow blockchain um, and Dapper Labs, who are the owners and creators of Flow, um, are an, an investor in our business and, and are backing our business. So um, we've got some great support, great infrastructure. And yeah, we're just getting ready, really, to, to launch the product and roll it out in the next month or so. It's been a bit delayed due to the crypto winter and the, the moving pieces that we've all seen. Um, but that's been great for us to be able to continue to develop the product. Um, and over the next few months, we're going to be bringing photographers' images on chain and just really helping them turn their collections into NFT photography that, that they can be sold and traded and, and all of the magic that NFTs provide. So I'd love to hear what are some of the challenges? I think we say if you go from a Web 2 company to a Web 3 company or you know, adding in components like blockchain. So what were the challenges that you saw going, you know, trend, doing that transition in the end of 2020? It's a great question. And to be honest, something that I think we're still trying to understand how to explain why Web 3 is so powerful for photography. And I think that the big challenge that photographers have is being able to track the ownership and prove that they are the original photographer of an image. Images can be screenshot, shared, repurposed on social and wherever that might be, but the actual initial photographer doesn't always get the credit that they are owed. And with regards to a photograph, you know, the metadata that is in a photograph is already baked in. Any photo you take on an iPhone or a digital camera contains so much metadata that really is not seen. If you go to a magazine or a newspaper article and you see a photograph of, say, the Formula One, and that photo has been taken from somebody's social feed, you don't, you don't know where that came from. Whereas if you use the blockchain to prove where that was taken and a kind of snap and mint mentality where you take that photo and put it straight on chain, all of that metadata is taken with it. So that's what we're trying to solve using blockchain technology. Um, but obviously that takes a bit of time for education purposes as well, because photographers need to understand why is it beneficial for them. So that's what we've been working hard on is the educational piece over the last, uh, last year, really, to educate the photographers. Yeah, it's fascinating as we see a lot of these, uh, let's say this, you know, photographies could be considered maybe an older profession, right? It's not like it's yeah. a, you know, something new that's been around for a long time and getting people sometimes to uh, enable new technologies in their business can be difficult, right? Um, getting them to understand, like you mentioned, what is blockchain? Why is that beneficial for me? So what are some steps that you find that are working when it comes to convincing people that, um, that are photographers or that take pictures, convincing them to understand why it's a benefit to use cheese? So I think if you look at the different verticals of a photographer, you have the, the Getty Images photographer who has the $20,000 equipment set with the lenses, the, the bodies, and all of the 
stack that they carry with them. And then you've got the Instagrammer who has his iPhone 13 Pro that he's snapping all day long. Those are two kinds of photographers and you then have everybody else in between. And I think that if you look at the direction that companies like Instagram have started to take where they've now integrated the ability to showcase digital collectibles and NFTs, it's really about why a user wants to be able to take a picture that they've got and actually find a way to prove that it's theirs and then benefit along the journey of that. And that, I think, is what using royalties and blockchain technology is really where the magic is with the photo. That photo can be, like I say, repurposed, resold, reused. It can be turned into collections if you are a, I don't know, a Warriors fan or a, an Arsenal fan and you want to look at the history of the club and you want to get photos of, of the club from real photographers that were there with the story behind the lens. All of these things can really come down to the actual NFT itself and you can track and see when it was taken, where it was taken. Is this photo one of a collection by a legitimate photographer? Is this a rare photo? Is this a, a, a number of a thousand editions or one edition and, and all of the things that you see in a collectible asset? So right now in NFTs, we've only really seen a lot of artwork from punks, apes, doodles, moonbirds. Some of them go for crazy amounts of money. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you own a board ape, you're one of 10,000. Whereas if you have a photograph of, I don't know, David Beckham in an England squad, how many do you know of those photos that are in circulation? So this is kind of what we're trying to do is bring that across to photography, what you're already seeing in the NFT space right now. Yeah, it's amazing. We, we heard someone speak. I cannot recall his name. I'm like blanked on his name, but he's an incredible photographer from the UK living in New York. And he's, He's photographed a bunch of different presidents and a bunch of different people that we probably would never want to meet versus, you know, also people that we would love to meet. And it's really interesting around. He takes these pictures uh, mostly for major magazines. But I can only imagine if, you know, after the magazine uses it and they want to resell that image or he wants to resell the image and then he can get royalties. I'm sure people would pay a ton of money to see, you know, the last image that he took. Uh, was Muhammad Ali before he mm -hmm. passed away. So I can I can only think of like, wow, not just everyday photographs, but what about these people that are taking these prolific photographs and I want to own that photograph. I want to put it on my wall or maybe I want to resell that. So do you see this becoming, you know, something bigger than just maybe just buying an image just to have the image and save it on your computer? For sure. I think, you know, you've kind of hit the nail on the head as to where this is heading and what's happening. Um, to be totally honest, that was the initial direction that we were taking, focusing on prolific photographers, amazing iconic collections. And we, you know, we had photographers with amazing collections, Princess Diana, Mother Teresa, a lot of these photographers had these amazing collections that were just really sitting on hard drives and not being seen. Um, but again, you know, if you've got a photo of, say, Princess Diana and Prince Charles, there are lots of those out there. You can go onto Google and search for that. But if you have a photograph that has not been seen before and it was the last ever photo of them taken together. And you can understand that story. You can see that this photo is one of a collection of 100 photos for the Diana and Charles collection by the royal photographer. All of a sudden, that image has a lot more value and a lot more substance and story because you now understand that. And that's really the part that I think ourselves and others are trying to achieve is not just the photo, but telling the stories behind the lens. And that is something that it takes a lot of effort and time to get that correct. 
Um, but also ultimately when you do see that photograph, you know that this is a proven photo with a stamp of verification approval that this was taken by this photographer on this date. Um, IP, copyright law, all of that's going to come into place. You know, how do we know that this person took this photo? And again, we've put in systems in place that have been added recently to allow us to track and make sure that this has got like a, a stamp that this is actually the person who took the photo. And then that gets minted on chain too. So it's always there to see and can be proven really. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in, and I know this is not any legal advice given here, but I'm, I'm very interested in uh, how it's, if somebody takes a photo and you're in the photo, who, you know, do you own that photo? Do they own the photo? But also I've been hearing, I know like NBA has their own, um, their own rights to, you know, top shot and stuff. But if I'm there and I take a picture, then NBA owns that image. Not I, you know, me. And there's been this whole back and forth around this, but what do you, what are you seeing in terms of those two things I mentioned? So if somebody's in the image, but also if you're at maybe like a sporting event, who owns that image? Again, you know, this is this is kind of the question I think everybody is is trying to understand, and it's been a lifelong problem for everybody. Um, you know, if you look at images of Cristiano Ronaldo, if you take a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo and and then you use that on social media to then try and sell a product or whatever, you know, you're he's in the photo, you're going to get in trouble. Um, if you're not getting model release forms from people in photographs and then you use those. So there's a lot of different cases, but it, it always comes down to how that photo is being used, I believe. And, and if, you, if you're in the street and you're, me and you are having a drink in London, we take a picture and there's three guys in the background and then we put that online. We're not going to go and ask them for their model release form for a selfie of me and you, right? Um, but if there's three guys in front of a photo of, say, the Jubilee for the Queen, and then we use that photo and they're, they're very visibly uh, in the photo... Again, that changes it. So I think the, the beauty about this is that it's brought it more to the forefront mm -hmm. than ever before. And it's not a magic bullet. This isn't going to solve the problem overnight. But the fact that we're talking about it, the fact the photographers we're working with are talking about it, lawyers are now evolving their knowledge of blockchain technology and photography. And, and it's really starting to now come to the surface. And, you know, photographers work so hard, but they don't get the rewards they deserve and i think that this is hopefully going to be that changing moment where that that does happen for everybody yeah i think we're seeing um you know these industries where people are very underpaid in the past they probably work harder than the amount that they're getting paid so at least they can possibly you know at, start to make more of an income and get what the value of what they are i know they work really hard and most of the people i talk to that are photographers they work several jobs and they wish that, you know, photography could pay all of their bills, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's quite challenging. So how many people have you seen sign up so far, or are you in the phase where people are not able to sign up yet? So people can sign up. We've been piloting, to be honest, like I say, we, we've had a few delays over the, over the last few months. We rolled the initial product out in a, in a pilot mode back in January, February time. We've got five or 6,000 wallets that have been created on the platform. We have focus groups in place that we're speaking to uh, and just working closely with them to try and get the best product that's out there. Um, you know, there's this saying that you only get one chance to launch. Um, I think that you, you kind of do get a few more chances, 
Um, but for us, it's been more about working on the um, onboarding and the simplicity for everybody to join and you know, answer to your previous question about what steps have we been taking, the ability to create a blockchain wallet using Face ID, the ability to use your credit card, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, or your USDC from ETH, Solana, BNB, all of the options that you have as a user if we remove all of that barriers to entry and you can choose whatever it is that you want and you still have the same user experience, that's what we've been working on. So user base is not high. Um, we've, to be honest, kept that really on purpose because we don't want to launch this and people struggle or, or find it difficult to use the product. Um, but we have got a lot of things in the background that have been working, um, been developed. And like we're in the process now of just getting that into the hands of everybody to to tell us what they think, if they like it, improvements. Um, and yeah, and just keep working with them to find the best solution for photographers to bring their images on chain. Um, and anybody with a camera should be able to have the option, really. So are you a photographer? Um, I was, to be honest, I've always had a passion for photography. I've always owned a good camera. Um, my photography kind of really took a... A different interest when my daughter was born. I think I've got 80,000 photos in my camera roll and 79,999 of my daughter. So like there's a lot in there. Um, it's great now because she's a bit older. So now she's the one taking the photos. Um, but I do love photography. Like wherever I go, sunsets, if it's a beautiful photo, I'll capture it for the memories and things. But, you know, as a photographer from myself, have an interest, but also I'm always one taking pictures at weddings or birthdays or whatever that might be. And if you look at that as a sector and a vertical for photography, the last wedding you went to scenario is you go, there's a professional photographer taking pictures. They've taken 10,000 pictures. You get to choose 500 because that was what your package included. Then all of your mates have taken pictures on theirs and everybody's like, Oh, can you send me in WhatsApp? Can you send me an iMessage? Can we create a Dropbox account and put them all in there? And you know, that's kind of what's happening. Whereas if there's a collection that all people who go to the wedding have a private link to mint to, all of those images are stored in one place and those memories are captured and chained forever. And I think that these are the different areas that we're trying to work into. So wow. I am a photographer. Um, I wouldn't say I was a good photographer, but I do have an interest in it. Um, I would say I'm probably a mediocre photographer. Um, okay, cool. My wife would say I'm, I'm not the best photographer, for sure. <laughs> but I'm learning. I'm learning. It's of her, though. Like, I bet if you take a picture of her, she wants to see it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I know. No, I'm the same. iPhone's been amazing. Um, no, I never. Wow. That's I never even thought about that as to you're right. When you go to an, like a wedding and everybody wants to take photos and it's a little bit chaotic to even find them. For example, we just had an event recently. And same thing. People are like, where's the photos? And you know, I don't know what the other people took the photos. And it's very chaotic to try and get that. So that's um, that'll be really interesting. So would you think then does somebody does everyone pay every time they download the photo? So if you do like a wedding collection, I'm curious on how that would work. Or like we just had this event and we had professional photography, then everyone took their photography. So if they upload it into a collection, does each person pay for one photo every time? Again, it's a good question, and, and this is what the beauty of Web3 is, is that you kind of put the control into the person's hands. And I think events is something that we've been really focusing hard on, and one of the reasons we've been looking at how to integrate not just the flow chain, but all the other chains and, and have the access. If you take, say, NFT NYC, I was there a month or so ago, each 
collection and community has its own event. So you have Ape Fest, you had the Moonbirds event, you had the Doodles event. Well, all of those have, some people say no photography, but a lot of them do have the ability to take photography. Well, if you were a photographer and I take a picture again of me and you and maybe the founder of, of Yuga Labs and that goes on chain, I, as the person who owns that photo, have the right to say, hey, you know, you can download it. There are 500 available, but it's 0.01 ETH per download or whatever that might be. Or I could contribute to a wider collection. For wedding photography, we think it's going to be along the lines of that people use that money that's raised to go towards the wedding party. So, you know, all the photos are collected. People can buy them. They can use them. Because ultimately, wedding, mm. wedding photographers still own the rights to the photo, even though me and my partner are in it or you and your wife are in it, the photographer still owns it and you actually are paying for their services, but they keep the rights to it. So events, payments, structure, I think is to be continued and, and we'll see variations of how that's structured. But for us, if we can provide the piping and the on-ramps and off-ramps as to get the funds in and out of the chain, then we'll see some magical you know, options that come available. Yeah, it reminds me of going to a nightclub many years ago and they used to take uh, pictures. They'd have like a yeah. professional photographer walk around. And then they yeah. give you a card and you go to their website. And if you if there was an image of you, you could pay to download it. Yeah. I, I, and I thought that was the coolest thing because everyone's like, well, I got to go check the images tomorrow, right? Because I want to yeah, we'll see, see yeah. the image here. We'll go and see if you had a good time because you got too drunk yeah, and can't exactly. remember. Like, yeah. It tells amazing. me a story of, yeah, I forgot I yeah. was even there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, oh, so I'd, that, I'd look like I had a great time. Oh, exactly. I didn't. I forgot I met that guy. I'll text him. Hey, man, I saw you last night. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but it, again, it, it's th this is what's cool about photography compared to, say, you know, collectible NFTs like artwork is that photography has been around for a long, long time. The first photo, uh, to our knowledge, is it was taken in 1826. The JPEG came out in 1992. You know, we're still we're still quite new to photography, really. And it's every camera on every new phone is the focal point. iPhone 14 is coming out. What's the camera going to be? The latest Samsung, how good's the camera? Google Pixel, how good's the camera? And it's so easy. You know, we can just pull out our phone and take a picture and off we go. Um, so I think that if we can provide an architecture and a system that allows people to explore and understand that, we, we might be so off the mark right now as to what the direction that we're doing is because, you know, Yahoo wasn't the first search engine. Um, and you know, Instagram wasn't the first photo sharing network and Facebook wasn't the first social network. So there's a lot of things to come, but I think that what we've worked hard on is the brand, the team and the product and the relationships to really position ourselves as the go-to platform for photography and NFTs. So with NFTs, it seemed like 2021 was the buzzword for NFTs. And yeah. then you've seen kind of go up and down this year in 2022, where do you see the future of NFTs uh, after 2023? So I think the term NFT for me has a very similar relationship to the term .jpg. NFT is really the compression of ownership. If you take a photograph pre-JPEGs, if I wanted to send you a photo, the journey was I take a photo, I get it developed, I put it in the mail and I send it to you. Maybe I'll make a couple of copies. That compression of ownership and that compression of journey got reduced from five or six steps down to one, which is simply I send you a WhatsApp or an email with a photograph. The JPEG allowed that to happen. 
NFT is really the compression of ownership. So it can be used for anything. It can be used for cinema tickets, airline tickets, title deeds for houses, car logs, images, tickets, anything. It can be used for absolutely anything. And I think that the term NFT as a general will really become the basis of ownership that you have, where whatever that might look like. A ticket to the baseball, to the soccer, to the basketball is a non-fungible asset. You get given a seat, a time, a date, and a match to go to. Those assets that are non-fungible will, I believe, have an underlying NFT with them that can be tracked, changed. Car companies are already doing it. Get an NFT for your car. You can see the log, service, all of the history. Whereas now, if you go and buy a second-hand car, you've got to go to a third party to try and find that or look in a piece of paper. Um, so that's quite old school, and I think that we're going to see that. So I think long-term, that's what we'll see for NFTs. Uh, NFT photography, I think that the more people can get on chain and the more wallets are created, we'll see a hell of a lot more opportunities coming to the world for photography, considering most of the most popular apps use photography. And everything starts with a photo from an Airbnb to a TikTok. So do you see this replace cheese replacing? And by the way, cheese is with a Z. C-H-E-E-Z-E.com. I just want to make sure that, that people know that. Uh, cheese, do you see cheese with a Z um, replacing stock photographs or st- you know these stock websites where I guess somebody takes a picture? I don't know how, how like payment usually works. I know I've used many stock images and have subscriptions but i imagine that the photographer gets you know the last piece of the pie in in how that all works but do you see this being able to replace those stock photograph websites i mean it's a good question we've spoken to a number of the largest stock image companies already and, and had conversations with them um i think that where i see the big change are in real-time live events um if you take i don't know if you're a big formula one fan I am. I've been a Formula One fan for a long time. Um, a few months ago at Silverstone in the UK, there was a, a race in the first corner. The driver flipped his car and crashed into the grandstand, right into the barrier by the spectators. The photography of that crash was online within seconds of it happening for the world to see through Twitter, through Instagram and all the social channels. The Getty images that followed that were the polished Lightroom professional photography that came were 12 24 hours later and i think that because getty's infrastructure allows for that and the magazines and the newspapers are allowed to go in and take those images and have the licensing deals that's the photos that we saw but actually photography that happened in real time was taken by spectators at a formula one race there are 60 photographers 400,000 spectators so i think if there are journeys and routes that people can take to get photos on chain and get in the hands of the world and all the licensing is taken care of, the ownership is taken care of. That's where I think that we'll see the big change um, for photography and NFTs. Wow. Yeah. You could basically have your own Getty style where you maybe as the photographer, if you're professional enough, you could almost compete in a way. That's the thing I think that we're so excited about web three or future, the internet emerging tech, is it's almost like an equalizer where you have these giants that control a lot of, you know, the internet right now. And it's really, really hard to compete with them. But this almost, you know, creates an equalizing force where there actually could be some competitive nature. 
we have a friend and we were talking about how, you know, just how like this freelancer creator economy where there's so many people, I think in their, you know, Gen Z, let's call it, they don't really want to have a job, right? They, they want to yeah. basically roam around the world. They want to work from wherever. I know so many people now, and I know you talked about being in Dubai and half the people, it seems like they're moving to Portugal and people just want to be, you know, free, but in the current system, it's not necessarily feasible for most. However, it seems like with this Web3, it's giving the ability for people to make a living, which will allow them to do whatever they want. Yeah. And and I think that we've seen a huge shift in work from anywhere culture. Um, you know, it's the summer holidays right now for school. A lot of my friends, colleagues and people I know, you know, are on holiday in Europe or Maldives or wherever it might be with their laptop and to go and have a pina colada and send an email is quite common now like that's what happens whereas back in the day you know if you did a zoom call from the beach it would be frowned upon and people are like oh what are you doing um but to be able to make a living from anywhere is is what what we're seeing happen um you know airbnb people make you know, have airbnb businesses of properties around the world that they've never been to or never seen they just go and have got a model that works um and i just think that with nft technology the ability to be able to have that provenance and proof that these assets that you have are legit and correct and that's being able to be tracked and is transparent using the blockchain technology again this is this is so exciting the time that we're in if you think of all of the apps that have you know uber for something tinder for something all these technologies that came about there was a oh i'm the uber for food or i'm the tinder for cars or whatever it might be um all these technologies evolved and you know we're in that we're in that mindset now we're changing technology we're moving into a web3 space was it one or two percent of anybody who's on the internet is only in web3 so you know when parents get on the platform i don't know whether or not my mom will ever buy an nft but you know if she wants to go to watch wimbledon tennis and they're selling the tickets as an nft she won't have a choice she'll then be forced to get a wallet be forced into this whole technology spin so it's exciting very exciting time well i can't wait till somebody says i'm the cheese of <laughs> yeah but oh. big cheese that's that's me big apparently oh, you are the big cheese right simon <laughs> is the big cheese. i get that i get said that oh who, who's the big cheese so uh, but yeah no the cheese is with a z and coming back to that we we couldn't use the s because trying to get through the seo of that is fighting against you know gorgonzola and Elam is very difficult nowadays it's boring the z yeah. just like on this show we put a z at the end not an s yeah. because it's it's, it's web three right hip. yeah exactly yeah. we're down with the kids we're, we're cool now because we've got a z in our name so you know the, and yeah you know the funny thing is i was watching tv last night in in the u.s and they had a commercial for all state insurance and in the commercial, the guy has a VR headset and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm trying to combine my insurance in the metaverse. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like you just mentioned about different generations. Like this commercial is definitely for people that are 40, 50 plus. No doubt about that, because this no one in their 20s was even probably ever watching the show that we were watching. So I was blown away. Like, OK, it's really, really like this is going to be. Like you said, it's such a small percent using it. However, though, it seems like companies are really, really trying to put a component of Web3 into their marketing, whether they're, you know, obviously all states not really doing anything, 
but just the fact that it was in their marketing, which means their audience has to have an understanding. Otherwise, they, you know, they wouldn't do that, which yeah. means that a lot of people know that what the term metaverse is and only maybe a year, year and a half that people have even really been talking about it, I think is incredible. It is. And, you know, I think if you just need to look at what Facebook did and, you know, what Zuck did and, you know, there's lots of pros and cons to what he's done and positive and negative, but, you know, by them changing their whole company infrastructure to be called Meta, it's a very, very smart move. Um, the amount of people that, you know, when you speak to them, older generation who say, hey, you know, we're in doing the metaverse. Oh, you, you work with Facebook. No, like it's not that. And I think that also as well, there will be some companies that want to try and jump on this bandwagon. But metaverse Web3 NFTs is not for everybody. Like mobile apps are not for everybody. Not every company you know has a mobile app. Um, and sometimes, you know, the technology evolves, but your business isn't the right fit. And I think that we are moving into an absolute new change, Web3 being a whole new industry that business models will change. You know, airline tickets, loyalty programs, membership passes, season tickets to soccer stadiums and sports clubs. All of this is going to change. You know, you're going to actually own the seat in the stadium rather than lease it. And I think that when you start to have that fractional model, some magic's going to happen. But also some crazy stuff's going to happen too. So I'm excited to see both. Just strap your uh, seatbelt on. Yeah, my dentist asked me if I, I mentioned about the metaverse and she asked me if it was Facebook. And then she also asked me if Paris Hilton created the term. And so I mean, I was like, you know, hey, at least she knows about it. You know, like you yeah. said, least, you know, like I, it, I can only think of like back in the 90s, if somebody said the word Internet, like yeah. the Internet, like, the you know, like the World Wide Web or whatever. You know, all the other terms that we had, the internet superhighway, and it'll be it'll be fun to see how that transforms. But hey, we're at the we're at the forefront. You guys are doing some incredible stuff. So just want to make sure that everyone can connect with you. I know it's cheese.com, C-H-E-E-Z-E.com. But where can yeah. they find you or learn some more information? Yeah, so we're the same social handles on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at Hudson on Twitter. It's my surname. So you can go and connect with me, follow me. Um and yeah, if anybody is out there who's a photographer and wants to learn more, please do reach out. Um, like I say, we're we're in the process of bringing everything on chain now. So follow the journey. Um, we've got a lot of interviews and podcasts that we're doing with people like yourselves to try and talk about it. And, you know, really just trying to help bring everybody together. That's what the metaverse is about. You know, everybody helping everybody. And what you guys are doing is fantastic. And, you know, thank you again for having me. It's been awesome to chat. Wish it was longer. <laughs> Hello. Thanks, Simon. Cheese.com. At Hudson? At Hudson. Okay. Thanks, Simon. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z.